I'd like to welcome everyone to Sunday service at the Temple of Light at Ananda Village. We're very happy to be here. <laughs> the last time we gave service, it was across the meadow at the old temple in the expanding light, and we were very fortunate to have our wonderful crew who made it happen. <laughs> it was a little cool that morning, but other than that, <laughs> it was wonderful. So I am Nayaswami Parvati. This is Nayaswami Pranava, and we're very happy to be with you this morning. I'd like to read to, from Rays of the One Light. Oh, I'm sorry. And we have joining us for the most important part of the service in one way. The talk is Jitendra. I'd like to read now. This is week seven from Rays of the One Light. The law is perfected in love. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramhansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, we read, The law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Grace means the power to rise spiritually. Truth means, means the experience of divine realities, not the application in the outer world of that inner experience. Divine love is the soul's experience of oneness with God. Kindness is the human manifestation of that love. Grace is deeper than mere kindness. Wisdom is a divine experience Justice to all is a human law, though divinely inspired. It follows as a consequence of the experience of wisdom. Truth goes deeper than mere justice. While following the law, we should strive always to trace it back to its origins in the vision of God. Therefore, Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita urges the devotee not to be satisfied with spiritual precepts alone, but to go beyond them to the direct inner experience of truth. In the 18th chapter of that great scripture, he, he says, Nay, but once more, take my last word, my utmost meaning have. Precious thou art to me, right well beloved. Listen, I tell thee for thy comfort this. Give me thy heart, adore me, serve me, cling in faith and love and reverence to me. So shalt thou come to me, I promise true, for thou art sweet to me. And let go those rights and writ duties. Fly to me alone, make me thy sing single refuge. I will free thy soul from all its sins. Be of good cheer. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Om, Om, Om. Blessed Sunday, everyone. 
I'd like to start off with reading from Whispers from Eternity by Paramahansa Yogananda, this very beautiful prayer poem entitled, I Was Made for Thee. So feel that you're offering these words, this energy from your heart to God. I was made for thee alone. I was made for dropping flowers of devotion gently at thy feet on the altar of the morning. My hands were made to serve thee willingly, to remain folded in adoration, waiting for thy coming. And when thou comest to bathe thy feet with my tears. My voice was made to sing thy glory. My feet were made to seek thy temples everywhere. My eyes were made a chalice to hold thy burning love and the wisdom falling from thy nature's hands. My ears were made to catch the music of thy footsteps echoing through the halls of space and to hear thy divine melodies flowing through all heart tracks of devotion. My lips were made to breathe forth thy praises and thine intoxicating inspirations. My love was made to throw incandescent searchlight flames to find thee hidden in the forest of my desires. My heart was made to respond to thy call alone. My soul was made to be a channel through which thy love might flow uninterruptedly to all thirsty souls. Such a very beautiful poem that in prayer that our Guru gave to us. In fact, Swami Kriyananda recommended um, to, for everyone to memorize this prayer poem, to repeat this. And in some way, in essence, this is today's focus of this reading. And the more that we open our hearts and feel that direct experience within ourselves, that our hearts, our soul, our life, it was all made for one purpose, which is for God alone. Um, the so often as a part of this reading, you know, um, my heart was made to respond to thy call alone. You know, so often our hearts are slip, they slip into a state of reacting to everything else that is just outside that layer, just outside that direct experience within of God. And so the question becomes, how do we, how can we focus our hearts and how can we awaken to this truth that we are made in the image of God and we can experience in every moment of our lives that presence of God? I remembered when reflecting on this topic of a time that I was with Swami Kriyananda and I was asking Swamiji many questions and perhaps too many questions. And uh, at the very end, I felt very guided to ask him this one last question, which I'm very glad I did. And this question was, well, Swamiji, you know, Guruji has given you so much. And it clearly was reflected in his life of all that Swamiji was gave to us and built Ananda for us. And so I said to Swamiji, all the things that he has given to you, 
let's play this little game of, you know, if you could only pick one thing out of all the things that Master gave to you, what would that be? And he played along with this, and he gave this deep thought and reflected for about a minute. And with such sweetness and such love and power that flowed through him, he said to me, well, I suppose that if this, I could choose one thing, he helped me learn how to love God. Love of God is the only thing that matters. Okay? And there is just this long pause and just so much love. Now, all the things that, you know, we also have been given, really in essence, what the guru who incarnates and takes form and sheds such power, such love, but not only sweetness, in that love lies the power of liberation, of the destruction of delusion, in that grace to lift us up into the light, into that realization that we are a part of that love and we can realize that love. And so how do we learn how to love God? Of course, this in essence is the guru that comes to us to show us, to train us in this process of learning how to love God. And, you know, unfortunately, it's not as easy as just having a checklist that we can, that we can go down. Let's say we can pick the Ten Commandments or the 613 laws of Moses. Um, perhaps I'd choose the Ten. But, uh, you know, it's not as easy as just checking off these one by one, and then we can enter that, that gate of self-realization. But the reason why Paramahansa Yogananda said is that God himself is above his own law. And so we cannot realize our oneness or realize God by just following his law. And as much as, you know, our guru has come to show us how to love God, he's come to show us also, and this is one of the blessings of Paramahansa Yogananda's teachings, is this simplicity that he came to show that every individual can find God in this life. And he gives great examples of this, where there was a devotee who was asking many complex questions uh, when reflecting, how do I find God? And what was Yogananda's answer with all these complex uh, algorithms in some way that this devotee was exploring and trying to understand? Guruji's answer was, love God, love God, love God, love God. And we hear time and time again, we read Yogananda's writings, we listen to his talks, and he tells us, love God, love God, meditate, meditate, meditate. And so this simplicity in which we have all been given the pathway to liberation, the pathway to dissolve that veil that keeps us from realizing that infinite love. It's a simple path forward. And all the techniques that our guru has given to us 
energization, hung sa, kriya, you know, in some extended way, chanting, you know, all of these things that the Guru has given to us, we must not get confused that within the technique lies the goal, but rather the techniques are given to us to empower us to change our consciousness so that we may align ourselves in that river of grace within us from the Guru. Because inevitably, that grace of the Guru, the grace of God, is what will liberate us, which will dissolve that veil. So we, each day, we choose to engage in our sadhana, to practice the techniques that have been given to us regularly with deep faith in knowing that this has been given to you for nothing less than for you to become liberated in that presence of the Guru's love. And from this experience, this direct experience in which all of the techniques and the teachings that have been given to us to bring us into that direct experience, which lies in that deep silence of the soul. And this is where we begin to know this love, this unconditional love. Swamiji's mission, Swamiji's life, we can trace it all back to that moment that he met his guru. And what were the two things that really in some way sparked this beautiful, powerful life as we have known and do celebrate of Swami Kriyananda? Yogananda said, I give you my unconditional love. Will you give me yours? And of course, Swamiji said yes. And in that presence of that unconditional love that we have to just keep coming back again and again and again of trying to realize the love of the Guru is what will break down these walls of separation. And how do we engage in this process of giving our hearts to God to keep this fire of devotion lit in our hearts because God has everything, as Yogananda said, but our love. And so what and how can we engage in this process? We must deepen this inner yearning for God. And in this yearning, God responds. And this is our role that we play, you know, each day with practicing the techniques in our service. Because as we begin to ignite this inner flame of love, everything else will follow. All of the, the Ten Commandments, the, uh, 613 of Moses' law, everything will just fall right into place from that direct experience of love as we ignite this fire of devotion in our hearts. It becomes natural for us to align ourselves in kindness, in love, in joy, in service. And such a beautiful example of this, I remember when I was in uh, Calcutta many years ago at Mother Teresa's ashram, her body is there in a, in a tomb. And written on top of her tomb in marigold flowers was love seeks to serve. And I thought, what a great reminder for this life that as we come back again and again to this place of devotion in our hearts, and live in that presence of love, 
it's natural for us to be kind to others. It's natural for us to want to serve others and everything else, to do our techniques that the Guru has recommended. It all becomes simple. And so this process of awakening the heart's devotion is something that is most important for the disciple, for the devotee, every day. I was meditating the other morning, and I have candles that use oil in them to keep them lit. And I had not seen that the oil was running low, and so in the middle of meditation, the candle went out. And, you know, I was just a little... um, disinterested to get up and go get the oil and fill it. So I just sat there and I opened my eyes though and I thought it was quite interesting as I reflected on this moment where just the candle was smoking. And I thought, you know, no matter how much I, I could get up right now with a lighter and I could try to relight this candle, you know, and I could get the world's most intricate lighters and matches, but Nothing's going to light that candle. It's not going to remain lit until I fill it back with oil. So we can slip into this frustration in our spiritual life that we feel like we're doing everything we can, you know, to, you know, overcome the obstacles or overcome that feeling of separateness from God. But the answer always lies in that attunement and awakening devotion in the heart. And when we do this, again, everything becomes simple. And we feel and we experience that presence of love in response to our heart's opening in that awakening devotion. Now, to give you a little insight of Yogananda's, um, you know, uh, friendship in God, Uh, He said that, this is a little inner secret here for all of you. You can share this secret as much as you want. But one thing, this is a good practice for all of us, that Yogananda said, God loves mental whispers. This is a, you know, as much as I was reading this, I thought, you know, it doesn't seem that big of a deal. But Yogananda, he emphasized this. This is a, This is an inner VIP uh, situation here. Uh, God loves mental whispers. And Yogananda talked about how, you know, we can always be thinking of God. No matter if you're doing activities, if your circumstances, if you're a monk, you're a householder, he said there's no excuse not to be thinking of God. Just as the pianist is always thinking of their music. So the lover of God is always thinking of God. And I wanted to read you his words because they're strong and it's a beautiful invitation. Yogananda said, God loves mental whispers. You are never so busy that you can't whisper your devotion to God mentally. There is no possible excuse for not talking to him inwardly. Whenever you have a real need, The thought of it is in your mind all the time. No matter what you are doing, you think, if I could only have this, if I could only do that, that mental whisper is the real appeal of the heart. You can practice mental whispers anywhere, all of the time. 
And so that mental whisper is the real appeal of the heart to God. We all know that mental whisper, don't we? That mental whisper of, you know, I'm trying to figure this out, or I want to do this, I don't want to do that. That, that track, that's, that music that's happening in the mind, if we can just take that which we are so good at and just turn it to God, God responds to this. And so let us practice this. Even, let's say, for this week, let's try to first become aware, as we know, awareness precedes control. So first become aware of the mind in this mental whisper that happens in the background. And let's try, to, as we become aware of that, to shift it into thinking of God. Now, as much as also we yearn for God, it's also very helpful for us to remember how much God also yearns for us. The seeker is also being sought after. And I also invite you to reflect on this, of how much God is yearning for you, much more than you're yearning for him. And so as we reflect on this in our day, in our sadhana, it becomes very powerful as we practice our techniques and we sit in the silence and try to tune into, in the silence, that love that is pulling us back home. And that love may show up in many ways in our life that are challenging. But it is that power in that love that is trying to liberate you, to free you. And Swami Kriyananda wrote a book, a very important book, uh, which is used for... Uh, new renunciates who are joining self-realization fellowship, either the monastery or who is becoming a nun. And this book that he wrote is entitled, Give Me Thy Heart. And as we read in the, the Gita today, this is a very beautiful mental whisper to remember. And how do we do this? Well, Swamiji outlines a few points of how we can free the heart from the attachments and the desires that keep the heart in that state of contraction is simplicity of self-control, of loyalty. And in, in this, the last is this cooperative obedience, which we can also embrace as trying to live our life according to God's will for us. And Yogananda exemplified this of entrusting in God and being, feeling empowered to, to give our faith and trust to God, to give our hearts to God, that everything will be fulfilled in our life, every need, every desire. And Yogananda tells a story that once when he was in Phoenix, he, he needed uh, lots of money to, uh, you know, keep the work going. And he was just being tested on so many levels. So he prayed to Divine Mother and he said, Divine Mother, you know, come to me. He was praying not for money, but for freedom. And he was saying to Divine Mother, Divine Mother, why dost thou test me? You know, I will walk away from this work if it is your will. I will walk away singing thy name. And 
Divine Mother spoke to him, and these words are so beautiful to remember. And Divine Mother said to him, Dance of life, dance of death. Know that these all come from me. Rejoice, rejoice. What more dost thou want than that thou hast me? And so let's rejoice every day, no matter if God takes our car away or burns our house down or gives us ill health or gives us a million dollars or whatever it is. Feel, rejoice in the knowing. What more dost thou want? Whisper this in your heart every day. Feel that you have God already. And I want to close with this story of the power of this devotion in remembrance of the heart and building this inner castle of love and devotion in our hearts. There was, this story was told by a, a monk who was living with Paramahansa Yogananda. And this takes place in Encinitas. And there was this monk who uh, was outside working with Master and noticed this young man who came in through the gates. And Master reacted quite strongly and said, you, what are you doing here? You're not supposed to be here. And everyone, of course, thought, gosh, that's a strong reaction. And so Yogananda came to this young man, and he, he blessed him, and he invited him to stay. And later on, Yogananda said that this young man shouldn't have been there, because in pre the previous incarnation, in previous lives, he had done lots of bad things. He left the path, he left the guru, and got in a lot of trouble, created a lot of karma. And so he shouldn't have been there. But, Yogananda said, he had devotion. And that devotion is what brought him back to the guru. That devotion brought him back to the path. And so, now this devotee, we might have uh, heard many stories from him. He's a quite a famous disciple of Yogananda. He was the one who was like hot molasses to, as Yogananda said, he was like hot molasses, too, um, too hot to swallow and too sticky to spit out. And so, as reflected in this, in the ashram, he caused lots of trouble. Like, every, he, everything he did, it was just complication and trouble. And so, Yogananda decided to, to create a little space, and he sent him to uh, Phoenix, where the, there was a temple that was uh, established there in Phoenix. Now, this didn't solve any problems. Um, in fact, this disciple, to make sure that he could get an audience with Yogananda, he would call him at like two or three in the morning, <laughs> just to make sure that he had time for, for him. And so Yogananda got to the point where he had to, uh, he went to the, the desert to, to write. And we know that, of course, he took a few disciples, one being Swami Kriyananda, and um, no one else really knew where he was. He told some of the monks to say, don't tell anybody where I am. You know, I'd, I want to be left alone to focus. And especially don't tell, you know, you know who, <laughs> where I am. And so the master was in the desert, and this, this monk who was also uh, there serving outside the grounds uh, noticed this car that pulled up. And who got out of the car? Can you guess who got out of the car? 
yes, our dear friend. And he said, I'm here. Tell Master I'm here. I, I, I got to see him. I got to see him. And this monk responded. He said, who told you? Who told you where he was? And he said, no one. He said, I just couldn't stand it any longer. I needed to see him. So I got in my car and I prayed to God. And he said, show me where he is. And he was guided to Master. Such a beautiful example. All of the things in our life that we may feel are not good enough, that are, you know, perhaps we cause trouble, perhaps we don't. All of that doesn't matter. Just cling to the Guru and feed this fire of devotion in your heart, longing for a master every day. And that devotion will keep you steadfast and inevitably lead you to God. And these last words I want to end from Sister Gyanamata, great disciple of Yogananda. And I invite you all to take these words with you and to feel each day to take ownership. Is Sister Gyanamata said, if, ever felt, if I ever felt a little human wish for something I could not have, this question was immediately presented to my soul. What did you come for? What did you come to the Guru's ashram for? The answer was always, for God alone, for God alone. In an instant, my vision was clear and unobstructed again. This has been the unshakable and movable fact of my discipleship. So let us always ask this question each moment we wake up. What did I come to the Guru's ashram for? If you live here at the village or if you live at home, make your home the ashram. But what did you come for? And try to bring into your heart and mind for God alone, for God alone. Many blessings to you all. I have been roaming Forsaken by thee Who has seen me groping boundaries of heart, evermore moving toward thee, to thy vast and throbbing heart. Come thou to me, O Lord, O come at last to Centuries and centuries I have waited now for thee Through endless incarnations I've called out for thy name Searching by the streamlets of all my silvery dreams I 
that thou must come at last to steal the flowers of my heart. In sorrow thrills I piped my love, I sadly sing my song to thee. And yet I know my love must reach thee. Though many lives I have to win, on mountain crags of my devotion, I sadly sing my song. My so